watching. She's at home still. She's still not feeling well. So y'all be praying for her. And for, for those of you who uh, maybe have not heard, Jan Ferris died uh, Friday, Friday afternoon. Jan is uh, is the mother of Susan Apel or Susan Connolly and uh, and Bruce Siegler. She, uh, she, I think Friday afternoon, she's when she died. So services are pending. I got a call from Susan, and they're hoping to do it on Thursday, but they're not sure yet. So you know, we'll let you know when we find out something. So anyway, it's good to see all you here. If you're visiting with us uh, here, we're, we're glad to have you. And we're, we're doing a lunch today. I know some of you don't have any choice. You have to stay anyway. But uh, if, you're, if you're visiting and didn't bring anything, don't worry about it. We brought a lot of food. There's a lot there. So just stay and eat. And, uh, and don't go home. Uh, we'd love to we'd love to sit and visit with you. So, and if you're watching us online, uh, we're grateful that you chose to watch us. We're grateful you tuned in. Uh, we're going to be in First Timothy. Uh, if you want to turn over there, we're going to be in chapter five. Is where we're going to be. And uh, like I said, I know Ann. I'm pretty sure Ann is watching at home. She was watching last week. Uh, I know she was. And I know she she watched. She was here Wednesday, but yeah. you know she just she just couldn't do it this morning. So, anyway, we're. Uh, we're going to get rolling here in a minute. We're going to pray, and then we're going to get started. I don't have anything else to tell you, anything pressing. It's, like I said, again, it's good to see all of you. It's a, uh, it's going to be a good day. It's a, it's a great day to worship. It's a great day to worship together with this family. So let's pray, and we'll get started. All right? Father in heaven, we are so grateful for the opportunity we have to be here. We're grateful, Father, that you are God, that you love us, and that you are who you are. Father, we're grateful for the grace and mercy that you've showered on this world and we pray father that you help help us continue to take advantage of that and to teach and to share that so that others can take advantage of it as well father we're grateful that you preserved this this text that we can look and see how how what your what your uh, charge was to this young preacher uh to the church that that uh, worshiped at ephesus we pray father that uh even though our culture may be different, uh, our, uh, it's a different time, but some of the principles are still the same, and we ask, Father, that you help us to find them and have the courage to apply those to our lives. Father, thank you for, for blessing us with this morning, and thank you for the opportunities that you've blessed us with in our lives and the opportunities that will come in the future. Father, give us the courage uh, to stand up to the things that are going on in our lives. Things that that uh, that only sometimes you can take care of. Bless us, encourage us this morning, and help us to have a great day of worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Like I said, we're going to be in First Timothy chapter five. Remember, guys, for those of you who have not been in here, this is a letter. This letter was not written to you. It was written to Timothy, who is a young preacher at Ephesus. There are things that he wrote two thousand years ago that don't apply to us. Okay. The culture's different. The time frame's different. The church was different. The church has not changed in its dynamic. It's not changed in its mission. It is still the, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. It is still the household of God. There are things in here, principles in here, that we can learn from, but the, the, the application is going to be different for them than it will be for us because their culture was different. We've been looking at how people conduct, Timothy was told to tell them, how to conduct themselves within the framework of the church, within that household. How do you treat older men? How do you treat older women? How do you treat younger women? How do you treat younger men? How do you treat widows in that culture? 
that was a big thing there because that was a problem in that culture. We talked about it last week. The life expectancy of males in that culture was about 35 to 40. That was it. And so you had a lot of women that were that were that were widows, and it was a problem in the first century church. We know that from Acts chapter six, when the church started to have a problem because some of the widows weren't getting taken care of, and the, and the apostle said, "Man, it's not something we want to take care of. You know, pick out for yourself some men, and that's where you find the the first diakonos, the first special servants, the special what we call deacons, who are in charge of taking care of those ladies so that they would have, be elevated where everybody else was. In our culture today, it's not the same." We don't have that, that dynamic where there's that many that we have that are, that are absolute in need, widows in need, okay? He covers all of them. He covers, you know, older, older women who are, uh, their families should take care of them. That's how they're going to present their, their religion to the world. And we looked at that last week. He's going to look at, we're going to look at some of the younger ones and what happens to younger widows. And this was a problem, okay? It was a problem in their culture. How, how was the church going to deal with this specific problem you know now we can take this from a perspective of okay we may not have this problem but what are the principles we can learn okay and one of the questions the last question i've got for you is is that you what what will outsiders or unbelievers learn about jesus from the way we treat each other when we start putting into practice in the church something we was talking about to uh, uh the we talked about friday and we were talking about again this morning uh we're, we, are, we are seeing a rash of, of, of epidemic of people taking their own lives. You know, we talked about it Friday night because there was, a, there was something that had come up, and then I get a call from Pam, and she's heard of another one that has taken their own life. And, and part of the problem is the utter hopelessness of life. But also part of the problem is we, we encourage that problem because the church has not done, Christians, let's say Christians have not done and have not lived their lives where they give the world any answers. When they look at us and say, you're no better than they are, well, what's, how's that going to help? If we have no answers for them, if there are no answers for why is Jesus more important when you don't look like you care about him at all? Where it doesn't look like we, you know, we have as many fights within the church as they do in in, in, in the secular world. How's that going to show a, a loving, caring response to Jesus? How tell me how's that going to work? Well, it doesn't work. That's the problem. It, they looked at, and I have had too many people tell me that their children are unfaithful. You know why? Because I don't want to go around that bunch of hypocrites down there. That's the that's what they see the church. That's got to change, and that's got to stop with you. And with me, we don't look at the at the group and say, "Well, them people need to change." No, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Say, "What do I need to do? Well, how do what principles do I need to learn from this that I need to apply to my life so that I can be the very best example I can be? What can I do?" Well, let's look at what this some of this says, and let's ha let's ha ask ourselves, "How does this apply to us today?" We're going to start in verse uh, 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 verse nine. No widows may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60, has been faithful to her husband, is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. Okay? There was a list. They had to have a list. They had to keep track of these of all these ladies that were that were on this list. So they knew who they needed to take care of and who they didn't. You know, we looked at some did last week, some of these ladies. 
Yo, they needed their family needs to take care of them. And not so it's not a burden to the church. Their family should step up and take care of them. And here he said, you know, if a woman's going to get put on this list, he said, you know, this, this is here are the criteria. She has to be of a certain age. She has to have a certain dynamic in her life, things that she's done in her life and that she's continuing to do. What is he telling us saying about the rest of them? Don't put her on the list. Don't take care of them. That that what he's saying? That what that didn't that what is it's got a list. You know, here's here's the people that get put on the list. You know, right? You know, my question was, what about the people that, that don't do this? We don't put them on the list. Isn't that what it sounds like? Yeah. Absolutely. So, but you understand, in that culture, they have to weigh where, where we're going to help and where aren't we. We have to do that too. We have to weigh where are we going to help and where aren't we. If we help everybody that came to the door here, you know what happened? You know what happened? There would be a line out to the street. Because... Because word of mouth would get out, and every person out there would be clamoring at our door trying to figure out how they're going to get. We had somebody on Wednesday night, one Wednesday night, came in the building, came in here. You know, they, he came in where the kids were. Thank God we had people over there that were watching for that. And, you know, ran him off. He came over here, and Tim Green got up and went and ushered him outside. You know what he wanted? Money. He wanted money. He had heard somewhere that we might give money. So you have to you have to ask them, okay, where are we going to help and where aren't we? Here, they they have that problem. So what do they do? We're going to help. They're, here's where we're going to help. They don't have any family. They have this, this dynamic. We're going to put them on the list and we're going to help them. Okay? You know, we do the same thing. Like I said here, you know, we have we have certain people that we know that need help on a on a monthly basis, and that's what we do. You know, we help them with different things, different That's what the raffle room is going to be about. Y'all been hearing about that raffle room? It's going to be to help people here, not outside here. That was the that's the whole idea of it. Now the clothes part, they're going to help people that need that we find out needed. But the food part is going to be to help people here. That's what it's for. We're we're looking at okay, where's the dynamic? There's too many. If you if you look at the world and say where are we going to help, it'll overwhelm you. It'll overwhelm you. I mean, there's too many. There's too much out there to do. You can't give money to every guy standing on the street corner holding a sign. You don't have enough. You know why they're out there? Because they know you'll give them money. That's what they know. So, you know, when you look at this, they say, okay, here are these widows are going to put on this list. They have a certain criteria that they're going to put. Now, look at, as for younger widows, do not put them on such a list. Okay, I guess that's 59 and under, I guess. I, you know, we don't have all the criteria. We just have some of the principles here, and we got to ask ourselves, how do we apply these principles? You know, if you're if you're an, a person, anybody, and you look at this list and say, you know, it was very specific of, you know, let's just read through them a little. Uh, someone who had been faithful to their husband, someone who is well known for her good deeds, someone who has who has brought up children, showed hospitality, washed the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, and devoted herself to all kinds of good deeds. This would have given her a reputation, right? A certain kind of reputation. We can do that, can we? We can apply these principles. We don't have to be an old widow. We don't have to be a 70-year-old you know, widow lady. We can do this if I'm 25 or if I'm 19. I can say, I am going to devote myself to good deeds because the world really needs us to do that. It needs us. It needs somebody out there who's willing to step, to stand in the gap and say, I'm going to take over here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do what needs to be done here. 
You know, don't we? When y'all say that's true, we need that in our culture today. I would think so. So we can apply those principles. Now look at what he's now. No widow may be put on the, uh, on the list. No, as for younger widows, do not put them on such a list. For when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want them to get married. Thus they bring judgment on themselves because they have broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give their enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have already turned away to follow Satan. Did they have a problem, does it sound like? Does it seem like they had a problem? You know, what was happening here? What was the problem? These younger widows, you know, were had not finished in their life, and it, and and desires had taken over in some of these. And it said, and, and I don't remember where it was. I think, where did I put that down? I think it was uh, uh, 2 Timothy. We'll get there. Is This is where some of the false teachers, they key on people like this. They key on them because they know. How many of you get scam calls and spam calls? How many of you get how many of you figured out, if I don't know the number, I ain't answering the phone. I'm not responding to text. I'm not going to respond to the email. I'm not going to open it. I'm not going to do nothing. If you want me bad enough, you know what you'll do? You'll call leave me a message, a voice message, you know, right? And there's some good ones out there. Well, who do you think they target? Old people, for one. You know, for people who... Who aren't smart enough to say, I don't need to click on this just because it came to my phone. Because they tell you just enough to make you interested that, hmm, maybe I ought to, maybe this is, you know, that Social Security for a while was saying, man, if you don't contact us, you know, Social Security. They don't contact people that way. But you know how many people got burned by that? Yeah. Well, you know, here it says these younger widows, you know, these guys are going to attack you. They're going to come after you. But here's what the problem is. He said, for when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to get married. They've made a, a dedication. They've made a pledge to Christ. Evidently, in their culture, they, you know, they stood up and said, "Hey, I don't have a husband. You know, I'm gonna. I don't have any family. I don't have any kids. I pledge to God. I pledge to Christ to honor Him." And then something happens down the road. They meet somebody. There's a connection, and now they say, "I want to get married again." Fine, but the problem here is, look at what he said. He said. Because they get into, uh, he said, this, thus they bring judgment. It doesn't bring condemnation, it's just a judgment. Say, you've broken your pledge to Christ. Then you need to get married and have children. You need to go ahead and get married. That's what, the, in their culture, okay? This was, remember something, guys. This was a letter that was not written to you. It was written to Timothy about them. So you have to weigh, what is he talking about here? And do we have this problem? No, we don't have a problem like this. Not like this, okay? I still think that when you make a pledge to God, God believes you ought to make you, that you ought to honor it. I believe that. I believe you make an oath to God and you say, "I promise." Then keep your promise. But in our culture today, it's so easy to say, "Ah, well, you know, he wasn't really he wasn't really paying attention anyway." So I I would just go do this. And look at what he says happens to him when this happens. He said, he said because. Uh, Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to say. You don't have to be a, a young widow to get into this problem. I know some married folks that are doing this stuff. What's the problem here? What's, what's the problem? You know, what, what, 
Does it does it sound familiar? People going about chattering about stuff they don't have no business chattering about? Do you think that's a problem? Do you think? Some of y'all don't know? You, you know mm, I don't know. Mm, maybe. Let me tell you, it's a problem. Okay? It's a problem. When people, when people get hurt because of something somebody said, because they, people have gotten in the, in the practice of talking about stuff they don't know nothing about, that's called gossip. And we can go look at the gossip stuff, but let me tell you, it's a problem when you talk about what you don't know nothing about. First off, you don't know a person's heart. You have no clue what somebody may be going through. And when you get into this practice and you got nothing else to do, guess what people want to do? I want to start talking about something. Right? Yes, ma'am. Where I was working, we had a teacher that was teaching first grade. Uh, she was an older woman. And usually, you know, from uh, first grade on up, I didn't have much to do with them because I was busy with the preschool children. And people were coming to my room complaining about that woman. And I I saw her I saw her in the hallway enough to say hello, hope you have a great day. And they were complaining about how she conducted her class and things like that. And I'm going, Well, I don't know. I I don't I really don't know her. I said, so I don't have any opinion on this. I went to that woman and I got to talking to her and I wasn't telling her anything that was being said because you yep. don't do that. That's her. Mm. And I found out she was having medical issues and she was trying to find someone that would take her class because she, she had early onset dementia and her husband wanted her home. But she gotten talked into. Oh, just take the class one more you, year. You see, and, you yeah, see and, what happens. Yeah. You know, you start making decisions about what you think, and you have no clue, and then you find out. Wait a minute, there's way more here. You know that that that's why somebody asked me the other day. I, we were talking about someone that had committed suicide that they know, uh, and and it it really torched this person. You know, I know him really well, and he called me. Wasn't somebody from here? Was somebody I know from the world? And he was asking me about it, and I just and I told him what I what I thought. I didn't know the guy, and he said, "Dan, you think he went to hell?" And I said, "Mike, that's not my call." I said, "I ain't God. It ain't my call." I said, "I'm telling you." I said, "I don't know what was going on in his life. I have no clue. I don't have a clue what happened in his head, what he was thinking. I have no. Only God knows that. When you get off talking about stuff you don't know nothing about, you can get yourself in a pickle in a hurry." That's what was happening with these women. You know, they were getting into that dynamic, and it was causing all kinds of problems. Yes, ma'am. Doesn't it also apply to even if you do know what's going yes. on, there's yes. things you don't yeah. talk about. It. Well, you leave it alone. It's, but most of the time, what I find is it's people talking about what they don't know nothing about. They don't know. They don't have a clue what they're talking about. But it goes both ways. It goes both ways. It does. So, you know, ask yourself, is what I'm talking about, is it beneficial? Is it going to elevate someone? Is it going to make somebody better? If not, then maybe I don't need to say anything. Maybe I just need to be quiet. And that was the problem here. So don't put these people on a list. Partially because they've got other things going on in their life that are, that are distracting them. And they're using this to fill in the distraction. And he said some of them have fell away. 
Satan has got a hold of them, they fell away. So if you ask yourself, is it possible? Because I know there's a big group out there that says, once you're saved, you're always saved. Let me tell you. What does this say? Some of these folks fell away, didn't they? You can't say that, well, they just never had Jesus in the first place. That's what they'll say. Well, they never were converted in the first place. Hogwash. That's not what's saying here. What it's saying is, they got caught up in this. Somebody got a hold of them, maybe, or they got caught up in, in the dynamic. They didn't be caught up, and they fell away. That's what it says. Okay? So, now let's go on. If any woman who is a believer has widows in her care, she should continue to help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. All right? Now, I want to ask you a question. All right? And it's not pointed at anybody. I'm just asking, you know, why do we sometimes expect the church to do our job? Why do we expect that? Same reason we expect schools. Same reason we expect schools. You know, that, that's a good point. You know, families and parents expect the schools to teach their kids. Whose job is that? It's a parent's job to teach their kids, not the school's job. It's the it's school's job to reinforce what you're teaching them, but not their job to teach them. Yes. I just saw the story is uh in high school where only like half the school was graduating. Yeah. And then like so they wanted to postpone the graduation and then the parent parents were at this uh I guess uh, you know a meeting or whatever and like they were upset. Like they're all hey, you, you know, you can't, you know, postpone our graduation for these kids, you know, like, we weren't given enough notice. It's y'all's job. Somebody needs to be held accountable. Like they're like, they're like telling the school, your kid needs to be like, like you need to teach our kid. But I mean, it all starts you know, with the house. Absolutely. You, know, you can't. Absolutely. And, and this, and this here, it said, you know, let's look at it again. It said, he said, if any woman who is a believer, this not a widow, any woman who's a believer. This is the culture. Remember, this is not our. This is their culture. It said. In her care, she should continue to help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. Okay? So, my question was, why do we expect the church to do our job? These, these, evidently, these people were expecting the church to do this. And I'm talking about the, the conglomerate of the church, the, the, the definition of the family, expecting the family. You know, how many, how many calls we get about people needing help, and, and we understand. But if you've got the opportunity to help them on your own, why do you expect the church to help them? The group as a whole. You know, that's why do we do that? Why do we expect that? Is that a cultural thing that we've adopted? Is that what it is? What easier. is it? Huh? It's easier. It's easy. Oh. oh, oh. Did y'all hear that? It's easier. It's easier. I'll put the blame off of somebody else. I'll make sure that if I have to get called on it, it wasn't my fault, it was their fault. They didn't do. And you can't imagine how many times I've been looked at and said, Why didn't y'all do this? Why didn't you do this? Because it's not my job. You know, I'm talking because it's not my job to do this or that. What did the apostles tell the tell the, the in Acts chapter six? We ain't gonna do this. Not our job. We don't want to do this. We're gonna go teach the word. We're gonna go do this. Y'all pick out some guys to take care of this. Okay. Yo, but it's all about de delegation sometimes too. Like you know, like you can't you know. Delegate, and that's you know a true leader would delegate and like say, hey, help these people, help those people, and that yep. way, like you can also make sure everybody's being taken care of. Maybe I you know that that way it's. Well, I like I'm, 
we've got a great leadership here. You know, and I'm talking about elders. I'm talking about the other the guys that are underneath. Guys that do their job. You know, guys like him, him, and that guy over there. That does that do their job, okay? Which frees up the opportunity for us, the three of us, to do what we're supposed to do. Okay? Yo, know, I can remember, and still some of you still have that mindset. You know who you go to? You call one of us. I got a problem. Not my job. Not my job. Why are you calling me about thing, this thing over here that, that this or you know, don't call me about the button. I don't care. Call Paul. That's his job, not my job. I don't want to deal with it. How many times have I told you? You know, you come in and tell man, Jim, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what to I don't care. I don't care about the parking lot. You know, that's not my job. All right. And, but it's taken a long but it's taken a long time for this church to get to that point. Because there's still we still have that mindset, well, the elders stay take care. No, they don't. It's not what they were called to do. And we've got and, and Cole has really helped us to get the leadership thing up and running and getting it going. We have meetings every quarter. That's why you get newsletters out there of everything we talked about and did. You know, and it's it is awesome. Because I can go in and you know what he told me? I said, man, I got a, I got a comment. He said, man, you don't have to be there. I said, yeah, I do. I want to be there. But we don't need to because it's a it's a it's a these guys are doing their job. You know, when it comes to this job or that job, whatever, you know, so the church can find out, okay, here's what but that still happens in our culture today. Where we're looking at, at certain people and saying, How come you ain't doing your job? How come school? How come you ain't doing your job? Church, how come you ain't doing your job? Well, here he said that so the frees the church up to do what it really needs to do. You know, so you know, when you look at this and it says, uh, so the church can help those widows who are really in need. So that the people who are and this is putting a specific emphasis on specific people, go do your job. Okay? And then when you need help, then we help. Then we get in the middle of it. And only then do we get in the middle of it. Okay? Now, any questions so far? Yes, ma'am. Have you ever heard the old saying that when we point at somebody, why aren't you doing yeah. that? How many of your fingers are pointing back yeah. at yourself yeah. when you're doing it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, it, but it's, let me tell you, here it's getting better. It really is. It really is getting better. You don't see a lot of this anymore. You know, all I'm going to do is re-emphasize the, the dynamic of, of putting these things into practice in your own life. Looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, what do I need to do? Instead of, boy, he's that, got this, look at that, he's got an elf, he needs to go do this. So, and just figuring out, what do I need to do? Can I do more? Or can I do the things that I should be doing? Am I doing the things I should be doing? That's, what, that's how the church functions, guys. Okay? Got it? Everybody good? Did I, did I step on anybody? I hope not. Yes, so ma'am. if he comes and tells you that the auditorium is flooded, you're going to say, not my problem. Not my job. <laughs> not my job. <laughs> my job. You know? Remember we had bats in there? Oh, yeah. We remember that. Yeah, I remember. There was bunches of them. Bunches of them. You know? It's not your problem, was it? Huh? Was it your problem? I don't know. It seemed to become mine because I must have caught 100 bats myself. <laughs> I was in there every day catching bats, you know? You know, trying to get rid of them. And it just seemed like the more you caught, the more they multiplied. And they were, it was awful. It was awful. You know, we figured out what the problem was, figured out what was going on. You know, we got them all gone. You know, everything. 
Yo, Kevin and I were in the back behind the bathroom. He's shooting them with a BB gun because we couldn't catch them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they were in that cubby hole under there. Stop we were trying to more we information than we needed to don't, know. Don't tell everybody because they're protected. Well, Those yeah, they were protected. We did Those protect them. We did protect them for a long time. <laughs> and we're the point is, is that, is that when, there, when there becomes a problem, it doesn't matter who you are. You step up and do the job. You step up and do the work. You know, it doesn't make any difference what you're called to do. You know, I've seen churches where where people got a, got a head on them and said, well, that's, that's beneath me. No, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah, somebody had their hand up. Okay, go ahead. When I first started coming here, I, I was fresh widow mm -hmm. uh, and she has a widow yeah and see that happens all the time here and it happens when you don't even know about it you don't even know it's happening you know when we find out or when the office finds out or when benevolence finds out is when there is that becomes a problem and we need to step in and help and that's what this is talking about when they step in and help when we step to step in and help then the church is stepping in and help and do what needs to be done you hear me get up when I get up there and do the communion talk what I always tell you I always say when we do when we do the contribution. What I tell you, we're going to use every dime of this, every dime we're going to use to save souls here and there. That's what everything is geared. I don't care if you're cleaning toilets or you're fixing a, a parking lot or you're putting a, a sermon's outline together. Whatever it is, it's got to have the same mindset. You know what is the church going to do to encourage and uplift and to and to teach and admonish? Okay. Now let's move on. Look at verse seventeen. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For Scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is spreading out the grain, and the worker deserves its wages. Okay, let's stop right there. What, what does it mean? Now remember, in this culture, in this culture, what does it mean? What, what do you think that means? Do we need to go to some text and look at it? What is it? What is it? What do you think? What do you think it means? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while he is treading out the grain. It is about it, is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If you have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have, have this right, uh, right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? Now, this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. All right. So, now you go back over here, and what's the dynamic here? He said, he said the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. That's getting paid for what they do. That's what it means in their culture. Okay, I know when when uh, when we had a when we had a downtime in preachers, right? And I was called on to preach uh, the majority of the time. All right, you know I was paid for that. You know I couldn't do it apart from that. I couldn't. There was no way financially. There was no way because it was going to take so much time that I couldn't do the things that I needed to do to make a living. So. So I got paid for that, all right? Now, when we, when it got to that point where we've had somebody, that was over with. That was fine. You know, that was, you know, but, you know, this church was willing to do that. You know, you have elders here that I don't want any pay. Dan doesn't want any pay. James doesn't want any pay. But that's not what we're doing this for. But the, the, the principle is if 
They need it. What should you do? Should pay them. Should pay them. That's what this is about. They should be, they're worthy of double honor, especially if they're working and doing different things within the body of Christ. That, remember, that's in this culture. All right? But think about the culture. All right? They didn't have plants and stuff where a guy could make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Didn't have that. Didn't have self-employment opportunities where they could make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Didn't have that. Didn't have a job on every street corner where they could go, and if they didn't like this job, go down to this job, go down to that job, go down to this job. Didn't have that. These guys were giving up their time in that culture, in that day. They were giving up their time. Maybe some of them were, were a, a craftsmen. And they were working on somebody's house, making a very limited amount of money, okay? And then they were being called on to put classes together to teach, putting sermons together to preach, being called out every night, someone knocking on their door, calling them because some somebody is 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 down and needs help. Somebody's sick and don't can't get a doctor. And now they're taking money out of their own pocket to help someone who's sick and doesn't have any money. That's the culture, okay? And so he's telling them, he said, you make sure they get paid. Make sure they get paid. We don't have that dynamic today. Most men today who serve, most of them, at least here, we're all retired. You know, we have retirements that we have. You know, we have wives that, that do things at work or whatever. You know, we have money coming in. We don't need that. But whenever it's been a necessity, you know, I remember someone donating a pretty large amount of money to Dan Marshall. You remember that, Dan? And it was specifically so he could take people fishing on his boat. Because it's expensive. You know how he was taking people fishing on his boat? And people lots of times went fishing on his boat, and he invited them to come. He paid for all the gas, paid for all the bait, paid for all the food. He did everything. You know what that could cost in, in one trip to Port O'Connor? Four or $500 can. Can. And he was paying out of his own pocket. This money came in, and it was earmarked for him to do that. That's what it's earmarked for. You know what he said? I'm not going to do that. Didn't you? I think one time we gave you $100 out of it. That's what we gave you to pay for gas, I think. Maybe it was a couple of times. That's all he would take. He wouldn't take it. Wouldn't take it. I get chills just thinking about it. Because that's the heart of a man who has a different agenda. than, than the... Now, it wasn't wrong for someone to donate that money. It, was, it wasn't. That was how they felt. That's what they wanted to do. But he said, I don't want to do this because I don't want it to taint me. I don't want me to look at it from a different perspective than I'm looking at it. And I understand that. But if a person need is in need, I felt it was a need that he needed to take advantage of. He did. Fine. I'm okay with that. If that's what he said. So, you know, I mean, and don't you think that, that, that people in leadership, whatever they're doing, I mean, they should be... They should be on that list of, even in our culture today, don't you think? Now, not here, but there may be places where, where men are serving and they can't really afford to serve. It's a hardship on them financially. Shouldn't the church help them? Don't you think the church, church should help them? Especially if they're the kind of leaders this talks about. They're willing to preach, teach. They're willing to do the thing. They're willing to serve. And then it's starting to cost them financially. I know guys that couldn't pay their bills. I'd heard of guys who couldn't pay their bills because they were serving so much they couldn't pay their bills. But they didn't want to stop. Church needs to step up. Okay? Now, this, like I said, that's not the dynamic here, but it may be someday, and you need to understand that. Okay? Now, 
the elders who direct the affairs of the church well or whether there's double honor. And now, uh, let's, no, I, I missed that. Oh, verse 19. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it's brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning, you are to prove, reprove before everyone so that the others may take warning. I charge you on the side of God that Christ Jesus to the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. All right? Just a moment, because i got a question I want to ask you. All right? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to, we're not going to do that because I think there's, you know, I, I've got some things to say about this one, okay? About being accused of something, you know, without, without any valid, without any validity to it, okay? We've been on the receiving end of that before as a group and as individuals. And it's horrendous and it's, and it's uh, disheartening. Let, let me, we'll stop. We're going to do that next week. But I want to ask you this question. What will unbelievers learn about Jesus from the way we treat each other? Whether it's widows, whether it's older people, younger people, children, what are they going to learn? What should they learn from us and what are they learning? What should they learn from us? It, that we care about each other, that we love each other. You know, you guys just started studying First John, didn't you, with, with Cole. You're going to study once a month. He's got a whole group of folks that he's bringing up here on Saturday, and they're coming up here and studying First John with him. You know, and that whole, that whole letter, you know what it's about? It's about loving God and loving each other. That's what the whole thing's about. Everything is about loving God, loving each other. So we'll learn. There are people going to learn that we love each other. All right. What else? What do you think? The, what do you think the unbelievers will learn from the way we treat each other? Not should learn. What will they learn now from the way we treat each other? What do you think? If we're real or not. Yeah. Uh, there you go. For real or not. What do you think they're going to learn? Come on. I think if we're honest with ourselves, they're going to learn, maybe I don't want to go over there. Maybe that place is no different than the last place I left. Maybe it's all a facade. Maybe they just, they just looking, they just looking to, to, to pad their, their thing. They, some people, that's what they're going to think no matter what you do. All right? But is that what they're hearing? That's what they're learning? Or what are what do you think they are learning? What are they learning? What are they telling you? People that vote from the outside. What do you think they're telling you? What are they telling you? I can tell you what they're telling me. That place is real. That place, those people really love each other. I haven't seen that before. I like that. You know, Matthew, Matthew's told me that. He said he went to a different church. He went to another place. He said, I can't go there. He said, Ain't nothing like here. He's nothing like here. Didn't you tell me that? You know, I had one guy walk in one day and he said, man, he said, you can feel the love in this place when you walk in the door. I know what he's talking about. He couldn't really explain it to me. He said, I just been so many places where I could, didn't feel it that way. And now I feel it here. That's what they should be learning, shouldn't they? They should see us helping each other. You know, they should, they should know that, that someone walks in here that has an infirmity, has a whatever, maybe a, a tough time with whatever it is, that this place is going to help them. Their family's going to learn that, you know, and then they're going to they're going to be complimentary to their family. That just happened the other day, did it, Sue? Just happened the other day. That happened with you, you know, where the people around her found out that hey, she's doing fine, and this place is making sure she's okay. You know, that's what they should be hearing. That's what they should know. Not that somebody just stabbed you in the back and you're bleeding all over the place and nobody stepped up to help. They called you to serve and you said no. 
or they called you to serve, and you said, absolutely, I'll serve. I don't have to go. You know, Chris Puska. Cole called him, sir. I told him you shot yourself in the foot, didn't I? Because <laughs> now he'll call you a lot. But you know what he said? Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. You think he's scared? If he's not, he's, a, he's nuts. I'm just telling you, this guy, anything he's been asked to do, he does. Anything he's asked to do, he does. So that's what they should see. That's what they should learn. All right, go get your kids, guys. We're done. Thank you for coming. We'll pick it up there about elders' accusation next week.